Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April 26, 2010. Newcomers, I always suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find hundreds of talks I've given in the past, which you can download for free. And scroll down the front page, bookmark all the other sites I have up there for future use in case you find uh, it's hard to download from the main uh, com site. That way you can always get the latest shows. And sometimes, too, the com gets problems with uploads. It can be behind the times a little bit. You can also look, see that one of the sites I have listed there is Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel. That's the only site that has the addition of transcripts for download and prints up. You can choose from the various languages of Europe. And remember to order. You can order on the website, too, cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Uh, the books I have for sale, very important, different way of thinking, or of looking at things, non-linear thinking, because we've been trained to think linearly, which is a, a form of computer language of, uh, and logic put together. You're guaranteed to come to your master's conclusions. Uh, the guys who design these systems for us, uh, like the Brzezinski's and the Kissinger's, don't think in a linear fashion. They're, they're, they think in a zigzag fashion all around from all different aspects and points of view and so on. And that's why you have to understand the world's truly run. We've all been trained to see the world from the master's point of view. Uh, the one he's designed for us, that is. Not the real point of view. Now, I often go on about reality because, you see, very few of us actually have it. And it's no surprise when you understand that we've been brought up in a social engineered, scientifically designed educational system. Uh, the previous generations and the present one to an extent was brought up to be a consumer society and the elites in all their wisdom decided they wanted a managed society, a planned society. And what they arranged to do was to train us gradually. He always trained the first generation in school that are going to go through the massive changes and you give them a new paradigm, a new way of thinking and looking at the world. It's not the true one, but uh, one that will do their masters very, very well, just like the consumer society did. Uh, for the previous generations. In my time, people were, were told to just work hard at school uh, and just like greyhounds coming up the starting line in the racetrack, you all were let loose at the end of school to rush off for jobs and compete with each other and hopefully you'd get that, uh, that rabbit that ran along the, the lines that you could never quite catch. You could always see it, but you could never catch it. But that was the illusion we were all taught. Just work hard, pay your taxes, be a good consumer, uh, pay for your pension and, and get insurance so that you can pay for your, your burial as well. You'd be no burden on the state whatsoever. That's really what we're taught to be. The upcoming generations are going into a new paradigm. They've already been trained for it, well trained for it. Uh, they've been given a substitute, you might say, for uh, consuming. And really it's just a, a type of consuming, but very cheap. And that's the electronic media that's going to guide and control their lives for them. They won't need other gadgets, uh, machinery and so on. They have no interest in. They have no interest in fixing cars. Uh, they've lost all of that. They won't need that when you, all you need really is a four-foot cubicle to sit in 
and play on a computer. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I talk about reality every so often because we think we're in it, but we're not really. Most of the information we're given these days, for sure, is really propaganda or it's intelligence or counterintelligence. Counterintelligence is just as important as intelligence and uh, counterintelligence is often put out there to the media by professionals. Um, I read articles last year from uh, the US military that have a whole department setting out false reports every year, hundreds of them under very uh, numerous assumed names and they're printed in newspapers as though it's, it's really a fact, scientific fact or whatever they're, they're saying. And it's disinformation because they guide our thoughts, you see. And they also got to cover up what they're actually up to themselves. And we, the public, never really question the major media. Uh, Brzezinski did say uh, that, that shortly the public would be unable to reason for themselves. Uh, they'll expect the media to do it for them, to reason for them, to do the reasoning and thinking for them. And that was written in the 70s and between two ages. Well, he was quite right. It's already happened, you see. Uh, unfortunately, people can't really think for themselves. In fact, they'll deny their own sensibilities and memory and, uh, when it comes to certain things that are happening in their lives. And they will succumb to the media. They must be, they're, they're more intelligent than I am, therefore it must be true. I, I can't, my, my memory must be faulty. Um, it's, I can remember when aircraft used to fly a lot more frequently uh, before uh, the aviation flu, uh, fuel went up and they didn't leave these long lines from horizon to horizon. They stayed all day long and became clouds. It didn't happen, but they can't remember that. And if they do remember it, they start to doubt themselves. The experts can't be wrong, you see. Now, when you look into some of the, the big true experts that were helping to socially engineer the 20th and 21st century, in fact, a lot of the agendas you're living through right now were designed by guys in big think tanks working for the most powerful and wealthiest people on the planet, like Aldous Huxley uh, and Russell and various other ones working in these teams as scientific advisors. Uh, you have to go into what they wrote about, what they saw, uh, and what they hoped for, actually, as a, an upcoming type of system. And these guys knew the reality of their own era. They were well aware uh, that the public had been given one means of perception, one training for the, for the public as consumers and workers and taxpayers, and one for themselves, those who already saw themselves as controllers and above all of that. And Aldo Huxley wrote in Brave New World Revisited. And for those who've never read Brave New World or seen the movies, I suggest you get it because the man knew what he was talking about. He wasn't imagining things. He worked with very intelligent people in top, as I say, top world think tanks that helped to design the kind of social engineering that we taught to everyone in the 20th, the latter part of the 20th century into the 21st. And in Brave New World Revisited, which is a kind of um, non-fictional uh, takeoff, where he explains how all of the stuff in Brave New World could actually be, be done, and a lot of it was already being done by the time he wrote the second, the follow-up to it. Um, you can see for yourself that uh, he wasn't guessing, he wasn't grabbing in the dark 
for, for and coming out with handfuls of nothing. He was, he knew what was in there and what was going to be. But in Brave New World Revisited, he says, children, he adds, are living, talking records of what we tell them every day. And in due course, these living, talking records of television commercials will grow up, earn money, and buy the products of industry. Think, writes Mr. Clyde Miller ecstatically, think of what it can mean to your firm and profits if you can condition a million or ten million children who will grow up into adults trained to buy your product as soldiers are trained in advance when they hear the trigger words, and he uses trigger words, and they are Pavlovian trigger words, forward march. Yes, just think of it, and at the same time remember that the dictators and the would-be dictators have been thinking about this sort of thing for years, and that millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of children are in the process of growing up to buy the local despot's ideological product and like well-trained soldiers, to respond with appropriate behavior to the trigger words implanted in those young minds by the despots, propagandists. Now, when you hear that and you read that, think green. Think green. Think sustainability. Think depopulation. Think austerity. Think CO2, etc., etc. Because that's really what they've come up with out of that kind of ideology that he was discussing right there. They've given a whole generation, a young generation, uh, an, an absolute indoctrination into, an, again, an alternate reality for a new era. And it reminds me, too, of Matsutong's Tung's uh, little red book when you see the, the, the old videos of China under uh, his era. And you see millions of them in, in their square uh, holding up their little red book and chanting from it in unison. And that's ideological indoctrination par excellence. And we get the same kind here in the West, and we do, we get, we get it all the time. But they needed a unified, you know, universal education system to do so. In a sense, we can all be utterly mad as long as we all get the same mad indoctrination. Then you can compare your mad notes, never realizing you're all mad, because you're all mad at the same time. Quite simple, isn't it? Quite simple. And, and examples about that, um, I don't even bother arguing with people when it comes to, for instance, the spraying of the sky, since regularly that is, since 1998. That's when they really stepped it up in earnest and did it pretty well daily ever since, across the world at the same time. And... There are people today who should know by the rage what trails used to look like, and even they will doubt themselves, as I say. They, they succumb to the pressure to give in. You, you can't really be wrong. The experts must be right. And we've seen from major media over the years that put out so much info from Air Force bases or uh, the U.S. Air Force or the British RAF telling us and explaining, in exactly the same uh, writing, by the way, in, in response to questioners, um, what a contrail is. And what they're telling you is to forget what you ever imagined it was before in the past, because that's what it must have been, imagination. They were never like that. They really always stayed there all day, spread across the sky until you couldn't see the sun. And then you start coughing like crazy. Now, what we're seeing today are chemical spray. It's a geoengineering, and it has many functions, many functions. 
and the nonsense that they've got right now about uh, uh, they wonder if they should geoengineer and the causes or the the detrimental causes to mankind it would have uh, forget it folks they know all the detrimental causes because they studied it through the 50s and 60s mainly through the US and Britain where they tested it in local areas over the years and they know what it causes in people but depopulation is also part of it too and it also can be used with HARP. And I've read all the articles from the official sites and the government sites and the UN Treaty on Weather Warfare. They can certainly put signals across uh, the sky much easier to control whole nations, as Brzezinski said in his own book, uh, Between Two Ages. And there's part about the technotronic era. But here's a good con here, you see. Um, Again, a first in history, when, when this uh, volcano went off in Iceland, we were told, oh, it was creating havoc, absolute mayhem, and, uh, and they had to cancel all the flights. Think something that's never happened before in the history of aviation flight. They had to cancel all these flights across the uh, whole of Europe, for instance, because of this one little volcano. And then after a little while, when people started to communicate to each other and question the authorities, it says, well, we can't see any ash cloud coming over. In fact, the sky is awfully blue. So they put out articles like this one here. And this is a typical handout of counterintelligence given through Yahoo. And it was dated um, April the 21st. And it said here, as volcanic ash casts a shadow over millions of lives, Londoners and other city dwellers across Europe were treated to a rare spectacle of nature, pristine blue skies, brighter than any in recent memory. And then they go on to explain, you see, to you, that's because of the lack of commercial aircraft flying because of the volcano that's spewing out all this terrible ash everywhere. Uh, that's what's giving you the blue skies. And they go on to tell you as well uh, that, the, you see, what's coming out of the, the volcano is actually invisible. It's, it's an invisible cloud. Yeah, really. And it's not interfering with the sun at all. So with the aircraft out the way and uh, this invisible gas uh, that, that could have gla- glass particles that could damage the aircraft, uh, they tell us that uh, that's why you've got this wonderful blue sky. Utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. That's what it was. I'll tell you why it was rubbish. Because, you see... At the right time, they tell you a bit of the truth, but not all of the truth. Because here's an article here from Mail Online. And it says, the ash cloud that never was. How volcanic plumes over the UK was only a twentieth of the safe flying limits and blunders led to ban. Now that's typical too in counterintelligence. They'll, they'll, they want the public to believe it's just bureaucratic blundering. We fall for that one all the time. Aha, and laugh at them, you know. They don't make mistakes like this at the top. You don't ground uh, aircraft companies and let, uh, say, ones in Britain lose $230 million. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So what was going on? But this article here says here, uh, 25th of April, the mail on Sunday can re- reveal today, that's an interesting phrase itself, can today reveal, why can it today reveal the full extent of the shambles? Why couldn't it do that before or during this this ban, right? It can reveal today the full extent of the shambles behind the great airspace shutdown that cost the airlines £1.3 billion and left 150,000 Britons stranded, all for a supposed volcanic ash cloud that for the most of the five-day flights ban was so thin it was invisible. 
And I'll go through this and show you how they've conned everybody and what the real reason was when I come back from this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article from the Sunday Mail, as they say themselves, they can today reveal the full extent of the shambles behind the great airspace shutdown and that cost the airlines £1.3 billion and so on and so on and so on. And it tells you how the, the satellite images of the so-called aerosol index published for the first time demonstrate the sky above Britain was totally clear of ash from Iceland's volcano. Now, why are they waiting now to, to publish it? Well, there's a reason for it, you see. So inquiries by the newspaper have disclosed that attempts to measure the ashes density were hampered because the main aircraft used by the meteorological office for this purpose had been grounded as it was due to be repainted. Can you believe the rubbish they tell? But you see, as I tell you, they, they, they talk to us like children. They talk to us, they talk down to us like children. Right? The main aircraft, so they, come on, they expect us to believe this. Most folk will accept it. The reason they couldn't tell you, you see, is because the meteorological office uh, has a, an aircraft that's, that uh, can go up and photograph this kind of stuff, and it was grounded, and it was need, because it was needed and repainted, you see. Yeah. It says computers at the Met office, which earlier forecast a barbecue summer last year and a mild winter for this year, we know what happened this year, it was one of the worst they ever had in Britain, produced a stream of maps predicting the ash would cover a vast area, eventually stretching from Russia to Newfoundland and Canada. But across almost all of it, there was virtually no ash at all and none visible to satellites. So again, the, the, the one airplane that they, they had to test this, and it cost the air industry 230 or one and a half billion pounds or whatever, it, they just, it was needing to be painted. So this is the rubbish they feed the children. Understand? And it says, though there was some ash over Britain at times during the ban, the maximum density measured by scientists was only one-twentieth of the limit that scientists, the government, and the aircraft and the engine manufacturers have now decided is safe. So it was nowhere near an unsafe level. It's only one-twentieth of, of, uh, of the maximum, basically. We never understood why a blanket ban had been imposed, something that would not have happened in other parts of the world, a senior airline executive said yesterday. And then they go on, it says, Safety is always paramount concern, but this seemed like over the caution, God mad, etc., etc., pablum, nonsense, and spin. And that's what you're fed. Children are fed that kind of nonsense. They also mentioned, too, they use the same computers that predict global warming and have been way off there, too. So it, it, it uh, estimated on a projection of the computer, not on a reality. This is the stuff we're fed, you know, like children. <clears throat> so what was really going on? Well, if you were conducting one of the largest, in fact, the largest exercise in, in uh, aircraft technology and military aircraft and missile defenses and radar defenses and so on that they'd ever, ever had across Europe, ever had, uh, you wouldn't want commercial aircraft flying back and forth, especially when you're using techniques that would totally confuse commercial aircraft's radars as it's supposed to confuse enemy fighters or bombers coming in because it was the largest test that NATO had ever done during that whole period. That's what they were actually doing. 
That's what was going on. And from the Air Force itself, uh, you got some, uh, it says U.S. Air Forces in Europe's units uh, participate in a project called Brilliant Ardent 2010. Royal Air Force Milton Hall, England, and it says here that uh, the French and various other countries were taking part in all NATO countries, including the U.S., Participation by the U.S. forces in Europe units directly aligns with the command key mission areas of providing forces for global operations. It was one of the largest ones ever, ever done. And building partnership, U.S. Air Force, blah, blah, blah. It said uh, the 22nd Fighter Squadron at Spalding, Spaldang, Hallam Air Base and 351st Air, uh, Air Refueling Squadron from Royal Air Force, Lakenhead, are partnering with air forces from the Czech Republic, France, Germany, Italy, Poland and Turkey to participate in the large-scale NATO Response Force Air Live Germany-hosted exercise Brilliant Ardent 10. And it's called BAT-10, running from April the 12th to the 22nd. It actually went over by a couple of days, by the way. That's why they eventually lifted the ban when they were finished. And that's not all of it, of course. There was something else that happened on the 22nd that ties into it as well. We understand they were using uh, all kinds of the latest stuff that would fool all enemy radars, uh, incoming ballistic missiles, anti-missile missile defense systems and the latest high-tech weaponry and uh, fighters and bombers from all these particular countries working together. And if you had any commercial aircraft interfering with the space, these commercial aircraft were probably crashing into each other and misreading everything because of what was happening. Or they might have found themselves hit with one of these um, missiles coming their way. So they also had all the tankers. It's very important because in the spring that we see over, over the sky, it's military aircraft are doing it, and they use these mid-air refueling tankers. And so all the main tankers from Britain, the U.S., and all these countries were all involved in it as these aircraft were kept in the sky for days at a time. Quite something. And then we go into another article on the same thing. It's to do with... Um, uh, NATO Air Forces exercise in German sky during Brilliant Ardent. And that's from the Atlantic Council. It says, uh, from the Polish Ministry of Defense, National Defense, Brilliant Ardent is a large-scale air force exercise to be hosted by Germany and directed by Commander uh, Allied Air Commands Izmir, Turkey. Forces from seven NATO members will participate in the NATO response force from 12th to the 22nd, April 2010. And they actually went over because they had to wait for a very important thing to happen back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix, just giving the real reason for the the no-fly zone basically over Europe, uh, so that the military could have their massive exercise with all the latest gear and technology and anti-radar devices and so on. That would have screwed up all the civilian aircraft, you see, and they would be an awful mess. That's why it really happened. But it was a beautiful con, and an invisible cloud that came out of a volcano was a culprit. That's what they gave the public, and that's good enough for us. 
And technically they're right because they know we're so dumbed down now. We'll, we'll take pretty well anything they tell us. And we you understand that the, the top media and that those who uh, rule and run this planet and regulate the systems um, always lie to the public. Even on the things you wouldn't think they'd have to lie about, they're in the habit of lying. Never tell the public any truth about anything, and therefore the public really are living in a completely false paradigm on everything. That's how it works. But this article here was from the Polish Ministry of National Defense, and they go through all different countries that participated in it. And it says, the aim of the exercise is to validate nominated air forces to NATO Response Force 15, another big one coming up, which starts in July 2010. Uh, this exercise coming up is also open to non-NRF, uh, that's NATO Response Force countries, um, as well as Partnerships for Peace nations. I love their doublespeak, Partnerships for Peace, as we bomb the crap out of someone across the planet. The exercise scenario was based around a UN-mandated NATO-led crisis response operation in a fictitious geopolitical setting, a scenario specifically designed for this exercise. The NRF concept provides the alliance with a robust capability to meet the challenging security environment for the 21st century by providing a highly trained and agile force at high readiness, able to deploy at short notice wherever and whenever directed to do so by the North Atlantic Council. So that's two uh, official uh, give-outs, one by the, the Atlantic Council, a uh, very big organization, very important, and one by the Air For- Royal Air Force itself of Britain. And what happened towards the end of this uh, big deal that they were doing? Well, we, we know, you see, the, um, there's a secret U.S. Uh, kind of shuttle-type ship, but it's really a fighter they haven't told us much about it. They launched that, you see. And it says, launch of secret U.S. spaceship masks, even more secret launch of new weaponry. That was Times Online. And it says here, the 24th of uh, April came out. Somewhere above the Earth is America's latest spaceship, the 30-foot craft, so classified that the Pentagon will not divulge its mission nor how much it costs to build. The mysterious X-37B, launched successfully by the U.S. Air Force from Cape Canaveral on Thursday, using an Atlas V rocket, looks like a mini space shuttle, but its mission is top secret. Well, this thing, too, is uh, literally is for space-based weaponry and also monitoring all um, um, firing missiles and so on, on on the Earth at the same time. So it came in a bit late, but it fitted in at the end of this particular mission. They've been overrun by a couple of days anyway. I think that's why they overrun it, because this thing was late getting off the launching pad. It says it is officially described as an orbital test vehicle. However, one of its potential uses appears to be to launch a, a surge of small satellites during periods of high international tension. That's what they were testing out, high international tension. This would enable America to have eyes and ears orbiting above any potential trouble spot in the world. It can stay in orbit for up to 270 days, whereas the space shuttle can only last 16 days. It will provide the U.S. with the ability to carry out experiments for long periods, including uh, the testing of new laser weapon systems. Uh, this would bring accusations that the launch of the X-37B and a second vehicle planned for later this year could lead to the militarization of space. Well, you're 30 or, two, or years or more too late for that. It's already been done. But you see how all this goes together and uh, how they can tell the public uh, that a fiction 
you know, absolute fiction about a volcano. Uh, and tell us too that the reason they got their their their, um, their information wrong, you see, was they used the meteorological um, computers that are used for global warming. And since it loves to to really exaggerate global warming, they just exaggerated the threat of this this invisible gas. No kidding, this is the rubbish we're fed. And then the only plane they could use to validate it, the only plane they had, right? to validate this and cause the grounding of all the aircraft, commercial aircraft, for a week and a half, uh, was that uh, uh, it, needed a re- it needed to be repainted. That's why they couldn't uh, put it in the air. Utter rubbish. Meanwhile, the, the greatest, uh, the biggest, most high-tech uh, weapons system uh, and exercise was taking part the whole time. And then at the very end of it, this, uh, this space shuttle that will be up in space to regulate everything that happens on the ground. Quite amazing, eh? But why tell the children the truth about anything? Why upset them, poor, poor little sweethearts? That's how they deal with us. And it works, folks. It really does work. It really, really does work. And it just goes on and on, this kind of nonsense uh, as to what they're really up to. Here's another article here to do with... Uh, you know, the new freedom. Uh, people have asked me what George Bush meant by the new freedom. And I said, well, whenever a, a president or a prime minister gets up to the nation and says something, then he's, he's creating a legality. He's giving you a new definition of something. And when you just stand with your mouths open and forget it, well, that, that, that is the law by common consent. Your silence is common consent. And so, therefore, uh, you have a new kind, a new definition of freedom. And everyone's lost all of their rights uh, under the, this fake uh, war on terror, which is really a war of terror on the public. And they're getting worse and worse with it. There's no end to what they're not, they're not going to do to make sure that no person, no person in any of the countries under this jurisdiction can have a single stray thought without them knowing what it is. But here's the latest, too, uh, in the war on terror, supposedly, which is a war of terror. And it's amazing, too, you can put up all these incredible spacecraft and all these new, this new weaponry, uh, and when we're all supposedly, supposedly utterly broke, we're all bankrupt. But these things just go ahead like uh, money's getting, well, I guess it is getting printed up, isn't it? It's all bogus at the top, anyway, all this nonsense of adding and subtracting. It's bogus at that level. Anyway, Mail Online, super spy in the sky, could soon be patrolling over British cities to search for hidden terror cells. A top-secret U.S. unmanned drone used to locate Al-Qaeda and Taliban hideouts in Pakistan and Afghanistan could soon be patrolling over British cities to search for hidden terror cells. The controversial move would allow MI5 and GCHQ, the government's eavesdropping centre, to step up surveillance operations over the U.K., until now, the £23 million Global Hawk aircraft has not been available for foreign sale. However, U.S. foreign policy, or policy um, has been quietly changed, and Britain is now negotiating to buy the drones. America is keen to supply them for British patrols after a string of terror plots threatening the U.S. and its citizens, which were all nonsense, actually. But they use, uh, they use the farcical one about the, the, the detonating equipment or bombs and aircraft flying to American cities from the UK, the underwear bomber and all that kind of stuff. 
It says, it's not known how many drones in the UK wants to manufacture Northrop Grumman or Grumman, but earlier this year a senior Ministry of Defence procurement of official visited the Pentagon to begin negotiations. Now this thing really is to, just to listen over your conversations in the streets. They can actually listen to your conversation inside houses and rooms, or from these flying drones. No privacy whatsoever at any time. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Since the drones are also being deployed by the U.S. Navy in the Caribbean and off the Florida coast to combat drug smuggling in, uh, in Britain, MI5 and the GCHQ already used three planes based at RAF North, North Holt and Northwest London to spy on citizens. The three Britain Norman Islander aircraft are all fitted with sophisticated surveillance equipment. They've been used to track down terror cells, yes, yeah, sure, and to locate, locate former Afghan veterans who may have returned to Britain to plot terror attacks. You understand, you, you couldn't weasel into Britain from any of these countries without getting spotted en route, and probably before you left your own country. This has nothing to do with terror. This is to do with a totally controlled, dominated Dictatorial planned society. That's what all of this is about. All of it. And we are paying uh, for all this gimmickry and machinery through our tax money. We buy our chains and we buy the next generation's chains in the process. And we say nothing. Say nothing about it. Because people have been turned into docile wimps, that's why. And the big boys know it too. We have had a war of a, of a chemical nature on us through inoculations and through the GMO food. And people definitely are not running at full par. They're way below it, well below it in fact. And they have been for a long time. And again, that's exactly what uh, people like Bertrand Russell said they do. Uh, by the use of the needle, the food and the water and all the rest of it, uh, they would create their docile passive uh, population. That's happened, folks. That's happened. We're way beyond that stage now. Way beyond it. And when we go into um, what's happening even in Australia, there's two articles I've got here on Australia, and you'll find that uh, they were, they've been giving the flu shot over there, and hundreds of children came down sick with it uh, the day later. Some have died already, and they're, they're put on hold right now, uh, well, they figure out whether it's safe to go ahead. Now, hundreds are sick with it the day after. Uh, some of them have died, but they're put on hold to see if it's safe to go on later on with the same shot, right? This is what we're told. Utter nonsense. I'll put these articles up as well. All these articles I mentioned, I'll put the links up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. And you can look them up for yourself and save these things for future use because very often they, they just get pulled down from the major sites. And when you're trying to explain what happened uh, to people in the, uh, in the future, um, you have nothing to show them. They won't believe you. They are trained to believe uh, the, the professional uh, legitimate media, the authorized media. They will not believe you. It's uh, tragic, but uh, that's what we're going through. And uh, they're killing people off. They're sterilizing them too with inoculations. There's no doubt on that whatsoever. You know, all the, the different levels of autism and all the different terms they're using for, for levels of autism 
uh, it was completely unheard of uh, 30 years ago. Autism was a very rare occurrence. But when you put it next to a, a graph, uh, along with inoculations going up, and you'll find it goes up on a par with that, wherever it's been introduced. And now some people need the officials to keep telling them it's okay, it's got nothing to do with that, it's nothing to do with inoculations. Well, things don't suddenly happen by themselves in nature. It doesn't happen that way. We don't suddenly evolve into different different uh, species along the way. It doesn't happen. Whether those who are affected and those who are unaffected, it doesn't happen. It's like all the myriad of cancers that have broken out since the 1950s. Many of them were completely unheard of in countries. And we got the processed foods and we got inoculations at the same time. But for all the exposés from Dr. Sock's research and his team's research, admitting uh, that they had given live cancer viruses, uh, like the Simeon 40 virus in the polio vaccines, and, it, and it's been continued up right into the 90s, according to some reports. These viruses have only one function, it seems, and that's to stimulate the, the creation of cancers in the human body. Astonishing. And then the latest stuff, too, from the big merit companies and so on, is that uh, independent teams have found all this animal debris in their vaccines. Again, like cancer types and so on. And the, the, the companies that make it pretend that they, they were completely unaware of it. Yeah, they pretend we didn't know that. We're the guys that make it. We've got the most sophisticated labs on the planet, and we've been at this forever, but we just didn't notice. We didn't notice that. That there's, there's, there's pig material and all different kinds of animal matter in there. But they didn't notice that. No. I guess they didn't have high enough equipment. The independent team, I suppose, had higher equipment than they had. Utter nonsense. But we are kept like mushrooms, as I say. You keep them in the dark and you feed them bovine fecal matter. Keep it, keep them covered with it, they'll never see the light. And then we have the International Monetary Fund saying, uh, uh, for nations living the good life, the party's over. IMF, it's International Monetary Fund. You understand what an age of austerity is. They're changing us from a consumer society. We were awfully good consumers. We were trained to be consumers by Bernays and all the boys at the top. But now we're being trained by Gore and all the boys at the top to be austere. Now what happens? Do they simply give you less money so that you can't buy as many things? Well, they'll do a combination of that along with the fees you're going to pay. You see, eventually what used to be spent off in extras and rewarding yourself with treats for working uh, like a slave for the last month or whatever, you'll be paying it back in fees and carbon taxes and energy taxes and, and all that kind of stuff. It'll be a privilege, you see, in the new society to be alive. A privilege, folks. That's how you're being trained. And the youngsters, if you talk to them, they are like that article I read from Galdus Huxley's Brave New World Revisited. They're already being given all the mantras and the trigger words. Austerity, recycling, overpopulation, yada, 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 yada. It's all there. Old techniques from the guys who decided, who, who decided what kind of uh, century they're going to bring us into, what kind of uh, society would suit the masters. Not us. Not us. Ten years ago, they put ads up in airports, and it was all over the, the Patriot Networks at the time. Uh, and it was a bald-headed guy, a guy who was shaved from the back, 
and you saw the, the barcode on his skull, on his head. Well, guess what? Now that we're all used to this idea and we have been dehumanized and dehumanized and dehumanized, as Huxley said they would do to us, knock us off the pedestal as the most supreme creature on the planet, until we're just, well, we're just fetal tissue, aren't we? It's just happened to have been born and uh, we're just an animal and uh, we've had years of this stuff. The Times, April the 23rd, newborn babies to get barcodes instead of handwritten name tags. That's the Times Online. 22nd of April, it says, uh, a National Health Service hospital has become the first in the country to issue all newborn babies with barcodes instead of traditional handwritten tags. Kettering General Hospital's maternity unit has introduced a system to end mistakes caused by the illegible handwriting of medical staff. Utter rock, because you see, print them up too, you see. But the company, I've read in the past of the company that got all these contracts, big massive company that's authorized to get all the deals. So all newborns are getting a personal barcode strapped on their ankles, which midwives zap with a scanner to read the baby's details. Brave new world, you're here. The tinker with the, the jeans and the women, all the rest of it. Brave new world is here. Back after this break. I'm Alan Watson. We're cutting through the matrix. As I said, Brave New World is here. It's well on its way. It's been on its way for a long time, and a lot of things have actually happened. As I say, to even to the babies within the womb, uh, as we watch the new generation of uh, not-quite-men growing up. That's not by chance. We've looked at the phthalates, we've looked at all the cosmetics and all the things done to the women. But also what we've found, too, is that certain inoculations that the mother takes uh, doesn't show just in the, in the first generation of the offspring. It, it worsens with every subsequent generation until literally you can transform the human being into uh, other types of even genders, in fact. This is well known and understood these days. And these are from top scientists, too. But they, they help it along with the phthalates and the plastic bottles and, and the estrogen and the water and stuff like that, you know, just to make sure. And plus they hit you uh, very quickly early on with God knows how many injections now when you're a child to make sure that you don't have a chance in hell. You don't have a snowflake's chance in hell. That's total war, you see. And from people like Huxley's point of view, that's perfectly acceptable. Overpopulation, says John Holdren in the book Ecoscience, and there he is sitting on the board behind Obama at this particular time in history when they're going into the total socialist-type control on behalf of their fascist masters above them. Here's China, the, the darling of the United Nations, the model society, Friday, April the 23rd. Uh, from Sky News, the health authorities are planning to sterilize nearly 10,000 people in southern China over the next four days. Four days, that's all it takes them. As part of a population control program, some of the people in Puning City will be forced to have the procedure carried out against their will. Well, I'm sure a lot of them will. Reports in the Chinese media say that Puning health authorities in Guangdong province have launched a special campaign to sterilize people who already have at least one child in order to ensure, now listen to this, in order to ensure local birth control quotas are met. That's what socialism runs on, you see, quotas. Remember two weeks ago I read an article from Britain 
That's about all the, the massive uh, childcare industry that's uh, is so lucrative over there, not just for foster parents, but for local governments too, who are supplementing their income by making sure that children's aids abduct so many children from their parents. And they actually have, I read it from the, the mainstream, it said that it was to fill quotas. They were given quotas by the British government. But here's the quotas here, and that's what socialism runs on, is quotas, you see. And they're so efficient in China, 10,000 folk can be done in four days. Snip, snip, snip. Guangdong, over he's gone. Simple as that. Quite simple. And you can see how it all ties together. The depopulation, the planned society, the indoctrination of children into such a fantastic way that they have no chance with trigger words and greening and... uh, and ecology and all that kind of stuff. You also find that Huxley said in Brave New World Revisited, he says, the current social ethics obvious is really a justification after the fact that the less desirable consequences of over-organization, some of socialism and the scientific uh, elitism, represents a pathetic attempt to make a virtue of necessity to extract a positive value from unpleasant datum. I think it's not to talk about how terrible it was and how Stalin used it and Hitler used it, you see. But then he goes on to applaud it. He says, in the more efficient dictatorships of tomorrow, there will probably be much less violence than under Hitler and Stalin. The future dictator subjects will be, will be painlessly regimented by a corps of highly trained social engineers. It talks about going through the 20th century and enthusiastically into the 21st century, into the new technically engineered society. He thinks it's wonderful. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.